How we doing, everybody? Welcome into another episode, a fresh episode, an NBA preseason picks episode of Riding the 3x3, hosted by yours truly, Russ Heltman. It's going to be all NBA today. I'm going to give my eight teams to make the playoffs in both the Eastern and Western Conference. We're recording on the on the night where it all gets rolling. We had the big tip-off kind of jump off point on uh, on Tuesday night with the LA Clippers and Lakers showing off, showing down in Staples Center, as well as the Toronto Raptors receiving the largest championship rings in the history of American professional sports while they were on their way to an overtime victory over the New Orleans Pelicans. But this is it. This is when I lay out all of my picks, my eight playoff teams in both conferences i'll give my finals matchup prediction my finals champion as well as my pick to win the most valuable player award all that coming up on this episode of the riding the three by three as always you can check us out on spotify google play apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts throw us five stars give us a little written review as well always like to get the feedback from everyone that listens let's dive into it preseason picks and the nba season is upon us All right, so we'll start in the Eastern Conference with my eight teams that I am projecting to get into the playoff dance, to make it onto the floor of the Eastern Conference. Number one, overall seed, and we'll go down in order from that. It's got to be the Philadelphia 76ers. I love the roster construction of this entire team. I love the starting five. They're going to be able to roll out there with Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson. Then you got Tobias Harris on the wing. You got Al Horford, Joel Embiid. And there's just a lot of guys that they can mix and match. A lot of lineups that are going to be brutal. Just knock down, drag out fights, especially on the defensive end all season long. Can Ben Simmons add that much-anticipated, much-talked-about three-point shot to his arsenal? I don't know. And personally, I don't really think he needs to add it for this team to capture the number one overall seed in the East and end up being a proverbial favorite to go into the NBA Finals and get a W. They have an over-under, according to Vegas, of 53.5. I really like the over right there, especially with me picking them to get the number one overall seed. I'd anticipate them getting to around 57, 58 wins. So I love what the Philadelphia 76ers have done to kind of reshape their roster after they lost Jimmy Butler. You bring in one of the few Joel Embiid killers in the league into Al Horford and make him a teammate of Joel Embiid. And also, everybody talked about all summer the fact that Joel Embiid, he's drinking too many Shirley Temples. He's sending too many rookies to go get Chick-fil-A on the team flights. What did he do this summer? He, he heard the noise, he answered the call, lost 20 pounds. I really think Joel Embiid is one of those, not necessarily dark horse, but one of those not often thought about type of guys that can go into this season fully loaded, ready to go, kind of with a chip on his shoulder after that brutal buzzer beater loss to get knocked out of the playoffs by Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors. He can be the, one of those guys that could end up winning both the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year award. He has that kind of ceiling in 2019. I don't think he gets both of them. Maybe he gets the it gets gets one MVP, or maybe he gets the Defensive Player award on the other side, but he has that type of ceiling, and that's the biggest reason that this, the ceiling of talent across this entire starting five especially is why I like the Philadelphia 76ers 
to go over their win total, according to Vegas, and capture that number one overall seed in the Eastern Conference. Number two, right behind them, got them winning right about 55, 56 games, a tick below their 60-win mark from last season, the Giannis Antetokounmpo-led Milwaukee Bucks. You lose Malcolm Brogdon. You lose Nikola Mirotic as well. They're not as solid on the fringes as you would normally expect from a team that many around the NBA think can repeat as as regular season champions in the Eastern Conference and and once again get one of those number one get that number one overall spot or a number two spot as well. But I'm banking on Giannis Antetokounmpo taking another leap this year. He said before he won the MVP, I really only feel like I'm hit 60% of my true potential. He looked absolutely dominant in preseason. Yes, it's just preseason, but he looked even more dominant and more refined than he did in uh, a lot of games last season. So I love what Milwaukee brings to the table, especially returning the prohibitive I would say odds-on MVP favorite right now, him, Kawhi Leonard, maybe Steph Curry as well are the three favorites. But I would not be surprised if Giannis Antetokounmpo takes another leap, puts up more historic numbers, and repeats as the most valuable player in the National Basketball Association. So I like Milwaukee and Philadelphia, like many pundits, to be the one and two seeds in the Eastern Conference. And I would not be surprised if those two matched up to, uh, to get a berth in the NBA Finals. Number three... Might surprise some people a little bit, but the Miami Heat. Yes, I have the Miami Heat just ahead of the uh, of the proverbial public pick to be the three seed, right behind those two juggernauts, uh, the Boston Celtics. I have Miami just ahead of them at the three spot, Boston at the four. The reason being, I just think this roster is a little quirky. People have not really been able to gauge what they're fully going to be, and that's the biggest reason why I think they've been underrated. I could easily see this team winning 51, 52 games. Jimmy Butler, I think, finally has the situation that he wants. His own team, his own city, his own identity, and now it's time to put up or shut up. It's time for him to play at an all-NBA, first-team type of level and show that he is worthy of being that number one option. On top of that, I do think they have the, the ability, and Pat Riley... I wouldn't be surprised if he showed this, the want to go get another piece sometime around the trade deadline. You look at what they're going to be able to throw out there right now. Goran Dragic, I think, is a starting solid point, starting, excuse me, solid starting point guard still in the National Basketball Association. Yeah, he's got a little bit of uh, a little bit of injury prone problems to deal with, but we'll we'll see how that manifests in 2019. On top of that, I really like what. Justin Winslow, Justice Winslow showed off last year of playing that kind of point forward role. It's a role it seems like he has finally really found himself in this Miami Heat system. And they have a burgeoning young center in Bam Adebayo. I loved what Tyler Hero did this preseason. You could probably say he was the by far best rookie to perform this preseason, and he played really well in summer league. So I think those performances will translate. He's going to give them a nice boost. And overall, I just think they're a really deep team. And when you have a deep roster that can go eight, nine guys down the bench, along with a coach in Eric Spolstra, who I would say is easily top five, arguably a number one, two, three coach in the National Basketball Association, they're going to be one of those teams that is going to grit out and gut out a lot of wins. And in my opinion, 
Justice Winslow takes the necessary leap this year to go along with the talent that Jimmy Butler already brings, and they're going to be able to really shock some people in the East. So I have Miami number three. Number four, the Boston Celtics. I have them slightly below Miami simply because I don't know how they're going to be able to defend the glass on the offense and on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're going to get out-rebounded in a lot of games this year. They're going to play a lot of high-scoring contests, and they're going to have to be really efficient shooting the basketball because teams are going to have, in my opinion, a lot more opportunities to put the ball in the bucket because they lost Al Horford to free agency. That that loss, I think, is really going to rear its head in the first couple months. They're going to be a team that has to kind of come together and gel, similar to the past two, three Boston teams overall. And despite all that, I still think they're going to be a team that gets home court advantage in the first round. They're going to sniff close to 50 wins, maybe 45, 46. I'd probably take a little bit lower than uh, than what the Vegas odds have them at right now at 50 flat. And I, I just kind of like their overall makeup outside of the big man depth that they have right now. Really, the only guy you can look at is Ennis Cantor and outside of him there's not a whole lot else grant williams is there yeah but it's it's a wing heavy and a guard heavy type of team when you look at kimball walker marcus smart most likely going to be the starting guards in the backcourt you got jalen brown jason tatum how does gordon hayward fit in there i'm just really interested to see how brad stevens shakes out this entire starting lineup and that uncertainty in terms of the players that they're going to have at their disposal all season long, along with the players in the front court that they don't have right now, and I don't see a path to them getting that type of player, then that's the reason why I have them slightly below the Miami Heat, but still a first-round home court advantage team at the four seed. Number five, the Toronto Raptors. They're the reigning defending champions and really didn't lose a whole lot of continuity from last year's team. Yes, they lost Kawhi Leonard, the, in my opinion, the best player in the National Basketball Association right there. Yes, they did lose Danny Green as well, who lit it up last night for the Los Angeles Lakers. 28 points, was absolutely on fire from downtown, 7 for 9 from 3, and he is a great defender as well. Those two players are going to, those losses are going to show themselves throughout the season. But I still, they, I still think they have enough in the tank. They have enough in institutional fortitude, so to say, to be able to get back into the playoffs comfortably at that. That's why they have them at the five spot. I think Kyle Lowry stays with this team the entire season. I don't know why, honestly, unless they start off 10-20, and 20, 30 games into the year, and you're getting close to the trade deadline, and it really seems like the time is up for this group, why they would want to move on from him. And I love what Marcus Saul brings defensively on one end. Pascal Siakam looked really solid in his season-opening debut last night against the New Orleans Pelicans. I think he's going to be able to produce a lot of the scoring that Kawhi Leonard leaves behind. Fred Van Fleet looks like he's ready to take take another step. He seemed like he could get anywhere he wanted on the basketball court last night. And I just think they have a lot of good, solid NBA players. They're eight, nine men deep. And when you have a deep roster like that with filled with C plus B minus B B plus guys like the Toronto Raptors have, you're going to be able to get a five seed in a weak Eastern conference. Like we have this year, number six, the Indiana Pacers. I had them slightly below the Raptors. And I originally had the Raptors at seven, 
But due to all the uncertainty around Victor Oladipo, when he's coming back, what he's going to look like when he comes back, that injury was absolutely brutal this past January. And it really was tough for a guy who seemed like he was having a career year and was on his way to being named to an all-NBA team during last season. We don't know what he's going to look like. But despite that, I still think, like the Raptors, have the institutional fortitude, the type of coaching acumen, the type of franchise that will be able to piece together a 45-46 win, win season. That's that's something I, I think is really in the cards for the Indiana Pacers. Now, if Old Depot comes back and comes back sooner rather than later, then yeah, they could be a 50-win team. 46.5, I think, is easily able in, in the cards for them to go over, according to Vegas. And... <clears throat> 48 and 34 last year. I would not be surprised if they just repeated that record going into this year. And the biggest question for me, while Victor Oladipo is out, is Malcolm Brogdon. He fully take the reins of a starting point guard role. The dude's never averaged over 30 minutes per game. And we know that he has dealt with some injuries in the past. Those were on full display and, and extremely scrutinized during the playoffs last year. But you look at Malcolm Brogdon. He was so good. 50-40-90 player last year. One of the most efficient offensive guys in the NBA. Former Rookie of the Year. Jeremy Lamb comes over for my Charlotte Hornets. He's a solid type of microwave scorer who's going to be giving you good NBA minutes night in, night out. TJ McConnell, another nice backup guard. Justin Holiday, TJ Warren. You lose Bojan Bogdanovich. But overall, at the wing and guard position, I love what they have. What will the logjam at, at the front court spots with Miles Turner and Sabonis, what will that look like down the line? Does, does one of them end up getting shipped out to make room for the latter option? I don't know. But overall, because of the depth at the wing and guard position and because of those two guys in the front court, Turner and Sabonis, I do think they have enough in the tank to repeat their record and, and get close to a similar type of uh, status this year. I don't know if they're going to go over 46 and a half. Honestly, at the sixth seed, you're probably not going to be over 46 and a half in the Eastern Conference, but they're still going to be a playoff team, and they're going to be a tough out for Miami if those two teams do end up meeting in the first round. Number seven, I have the Brooklyn Nets. That's right. I have them all the way down here at seven. I honestly don't know if this team is better right now than they were going into than they were going into the playoffs last year. It, they've lost a lot of key, just solid contributors from this roster. Uh, uh, Matt Moore of Action Network, I believe he pegged it as like five of the twelve guys on their roster. Excuse me, they have lost every player on their roster that had a positive plus minus from last year's team. But what do you replace them with? Well, you got. Kyrie Irving coming into the building, unequivocally one of the top five point guards in the National Basketball Association skill-wise. Chemistry-wise, you could argue he's the worst in the National Basketball Association. What does that look like? How does the chemistry manifest itself in this first season? Is it like last year with the Boston Celtics, where it was basically hell in the handbasket, went to, went to crap very quickly? in that locker room? Or is it like the first year where they had the rally around the injury of Gordon Hayward as a team? It seemed like Kyrie Irving was a nice galvanizing force for that team until he went down prior to the surprise Eastern conference playoff run of the Boston Celtics. So overall Brooklyn is a team that 
42 and 40 last year. They have an over under of 43. And that just goes to show you Vegas kind of agrees with me. Did this team get really that much better? I don't think they did. And I would honestly pick them to go 43 and 39. I have them pegged right on the Vegas number for them to get a first round home court advantage, for example. Karis Levert's going to have to take a massive step. He's going to have to be an all-star in the East. I don't know if he can be that. It's there. It, all the potential's right there for Levert, but he has never been able to consistently stay on the floor as he has grown in the NBA. On top of that, Jared Allen is also going to have to take another big step, and Irving is going to have to be a top three player at the position. All that breaks their way, then yes, they could easily get a get a top four seed in the East and be one of those nice up and coming. Will they be able to get it all done with the final piece of Kevin Durant coming in next season? But once again, the biggest question for me is Karis LeVert. Can he take that next step and become an all star? And Kyrie Irving, can he keep his locker room issues in the past and really lead this team to the promised land? I'm not quite sure all those things are going to work out that way. That's why I have the Nets at number seven in the East. My final playoff team is going to be the Orlando Magic. At the eight seed, they basically bring back the majority, almost all of what they had that won them 42 games last year. They're pegged 42 and a half wins by Vegas. I honestly think similar to the Brooklyn Nets that they have the same exact record this year, and, and that just barely sneaks them into the playoffs. They get absolutely diced by Philadelphia in the first round, but they're a solid roster. You know, you got Nikola Vucevic coming back. He was an all-star last year. The surprise in uh, in Orlando basketball was his leap that he took in 2018. Terrence Ross is a solid guard. Michael Carter-Williams has kind of carved himself a nice little niche down there in Orlando after bouncing around over the past couple seasons. You added Alfaru Camino, who is a nice wing defender from Portland in free agency. And then the wild card is Markel Fultz. And this is where Fultz hits and he becomes a top, if he becomes an average starting point guard in the NBA or shows flashes of being able to be a better, above average, top 12, top 10 type point guard in the NBA, which I know is is wildly optimistic, then they can be a surprise in the East. They can be a team that's competing with Boston, Toronto, Indiana for that final first-round home court advantage spot for the four seed, but that's a big, massive if, and it's not something that I'm going to bank on. And I've uh, come to learn that over watching the rehab and just saga that has become Marco Fultz's career over the past few years. On top of that, you got a guy like Jonathan Isaac, who they need to take an extra step, and Mo Bamba as well to go along with the always perennially going to take the next step, Aaron Gordon. So there's three, four guys right there that if they all simultaneously hit their ceilings, then yes, the Orlando Magic could easily be a surprise story in the Eastern Conference playoff race. But I kind of expect all them to be semblances of their of their normal selves so that's why i have the magic rounding out the eight spots in the eastern conference my eastern conference champion 
going with the Philadelphia 76ers over the Milwaukee Bucks. I think those two teams are on a freight train destination to match up in the Eastern Conference Finals with the 76ers having a little bit too much versatility while also exposing the playoff issues surrounding Eric Bledsoe's game, and they get the job done to come out of the Eastern Conference. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll move on to the West. All right, back half of this special edition NBA preview playoff picks episode of Riding the 3x3. Let's get into it. The Western Conference, number one overall seed, my team that I have winning the most games in the West this season, those Denver Nuggets, baby. Number two overall seed last year, barely edged out by that dominant Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, led Warriors team. Went 54 and 28 in the 2018 2019 season. Vegas has them pegged at about 52 and a half wins. So, some slight regression, according to the guys in the desert, is what they foresee. I can't disagree more. I just think with all of the turnover out West, you look at all the teams that I, even all my eight playoff teams, you look at how many guys have just shipped out from one city, are on a different team, wearing a different uniform, learning a different system learning a different city, different coaching staff. What can you say about Denver? One word, continuity. They paid their young, burgeoning wing superstar in Jamal Murray. They've already paid their young unicorn, the best passing big man in the history of the NBA, in Nikola Jokic. They just added Jeremy Grant, which I think is the most underrated offseason addition this year year going into this season he's going to be a great switchy elastic stretch four that's going to be able to space the floor and really pair well with what Nikola Jokic loves to do on the offensive end they still have the wily grizzled veteran Paul Millsap to be able to fill in the gaps and the biggest wild card for me the thing that I think will really push the Denver Nuggets over the top is they've been lacking all along what they lacked in the defeat at the hands of the Portland Trail Blazers last season, a wing scorer that can just get you a bucket when you need him to. Who's that going to be? Oh, just the uh, last pick in the lottery from the 2018 draft, Mr. Michael Porter Jr., who everyone forgets because of the injury issues he's gone through from his time at Missouri all the way to his time in the good old Rocky Mountains was the number one high school recruit coming out of Columbia, Missouri prior to the 2018 college basketball season. I know. It, it's yeah, Even I know. It's asking a lot, especially of a guy who hasn't played that many meaningful minutes of high-level competitive basketball, let alone NBA basketball. But I think they, they ease him in the right way across these next 82 games. And I just think the continuity that they bring as an overall roster to go along with the smarts of Mike Malone and the fact that Jamal Murray, you're paid, you're ready to roll, you're a nugget basically for the beginning and middle of your prime now, it's time to go and show it. And I think they show it all season long. Coming in for 61 wins for the Denver Nuggets. They get the number one overall seed in the Western Conference. Number two, a team that looked mighty good mighty good in their opening night victory over the Los Angeles Lakers, the 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 in-arena rival, L.A. Clippers. No Paul George 
for the first couple months, but I don't think it really matters. This is a team that I fully expect to win 57, 56 games, be the number two seed in the West, and honestly coast to 56, 57 wins. I can, I, despite Kawhi Leonard probably going to be on the, on the bench for 20 to 22 games this year, just purely load management, as they like to call it, they're still a 48-win team last year before they added Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And they're just so, so deep. When you think about Landry Shamit, Montrez Harrell, Vicha Zubac, you got you got guys like obviously Kawhi Leonard, Lou Williams, microwave off the bench, Patrick Beverly. And I sent this in one of my group chats last night. When Paul George gets back, the LA Clippers will arguably be able to trot out the number one defender at three of the five positions in the sport of basketball. When you have that on your moniker to go along with the depth that they showed off last night, 60 bench points to the Lakers 19. And this is also a team that led the NBA in overall bench scoring last year. Then you're going to be just an outright problem in this stacked Western conference. Give me the clips at the two seed number three, another team that I think will run a gamut just with their overall system, the way they play the game each and every night and the firepower they're going to be able to show off on the offensive end, the Houston Rockets. It might get a little shaky in the playoffs. The fit might not be as clean between Russ and James Harden once we get to April, but man, is it going to look and feel and be a lot of fun when they get things rolling here in the next couple weeks. It's going to take some time to gel, in my opinion. That's why I got them kind of in a dogfight, in my opinion, between them and the next team on my list, the Utah Jazz, for that third overall seed in the Western Conference. But I honestly, the talent is going to overcome any issues that this team has. I still love what Mike D'Antoni does as a coach. That system has proven that they can win and win a lot in the regular season. James Harden's going to continue to play high-level basketball. And the biggest question is Russell Westbrook. And from what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've read, what I've seen in terms of the relationship between him and Harden so far this summer, these are two guys that are best friends, that are nearing the end of their primes, and that realize they're going to have to sacrifice a little of each other's game to be able to reach that higher level that they've never been able to get to on their own. Westbrook's never played with this type of talent since he played with Harden and Durant five, six years ago. Westbrook's never played ever in his career with a team filled with this many long-range shooters. I just think that the issues are going to be able to get ironed out in the first couple weeks and the Houston Rockets get the job done. Give me them right at their Vegas win number of about 54 wins to get the third seed in the Western Conference. Number four, the Utah Jazz. This team is not necessarily stacked. It's loaded. And let me let me digress and, and kind of help you understand what I mean by that. They don't have a go-to superstar number one overall option, but they're loaded with a bunch of B, B+. And I'd go as far as putting that big three that they're going to roll out of Mitchell, Conley, and Rudy Gobert as A-minus players. They're just going to be so well coached. It's going to be so hard to play in Salt Lake City. The altitude, the the atmosphere that they get going in downtown Salt Lake for those jazz games, 
I love the addition of Mike Conley. We talked about Bogdanovich leaving the Indiana Pacers in the uh, first half of this podcast, picking the East. He's going to be, as much as they're going to miss him in Indiana, they're going to love him even more in the in Utah Jazz land because he's exactly what they need, a knockdown shooter who can play decent defense while also being able to create a little bit of his own shot on his own. And he was able to show that off in, in what was a valiant effort against the Boston Celtics in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs last year. Rudy Gobert, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. This team is just going to be similar to the LA Clippers. So deep, so good on the defensive end, and commands such a strong level of respect for the talent across the roster that I think they're easily going to be able to slip into the first round with home court advantage. And I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up having the best record in the West. I think this team is that has that kind of ceiling. But the thing that separates them from a team like the Nuggets and the Clippers is I don't think they have that high-level A to A-plus type of talent that you really need to get into a finals and lift the Larry O'Brien trophy come June. Back half of the uh, Western Conference playoff slate, let's go with the Lakers, number five. I think depth is going to be an issue. It's definitely going to be an issue. It's going to come down to LeBron James and Anthony Davis being able to carry the load on their own. Vegas has them pegged right at 50 wins on the season. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards as well. 48, 49, 50 wins. It 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 would probably make them a top three seed in the Eastern Conference, but that's just how difficult this West is going to be. LeBron, 17 seasons. Can he fully bring it each and every night? He's going to have to because the depth on this team, especially while Kyle Kuzma is not able to play, is a big problem. And that was really on display in their opening night game against the LA Clippers. That game didn't change a season-long outlook either way for either of those teams. I still had the Clips as my two seed going in, and I had the Clips as my five, and I had the Lakers as a five seed uh, going into the game as well. So I like the Lakers still to win right around 50 games. They're not going to be worrying too much about the playoff. Excuse me, not obviously worried about the playoffs, about the regular season. They're going to pick their spots, probably rest LeBron, rest AD a few games, and they'll end up just outside the home court advantage level in the Western Conference. Number six, Golden State Warriors. It's this is a this is an infrastructure pick for me. You still got Steph Curry, you still got Draymond Green, you add D'Angelo Russell, who's going to be able to fill, I'd say, seven, I'd say eighty to ninety percent of what Clay brings on the offensive end. And then it really drops off on the defensive end of what he's going to be able to bring. But I just think with how good Steph Curry is, I think this is probably the, I don't know if it's the last year, but one of the last years of his peak prime, he's going to be on a different level this year. Draymond Green's going to have a chip on his shoulder. They're just going to win with infrastructure. They're going to win with great coaching, great scheme, great shooting, and overall Solid, sound, organizational fortitude. That's what I'm banking this on. I just I cannot pick against a team with Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and D'Angelo Russell to not at least win right around 46, 47 games, which is what Vegas has them pegged at right now. In my eyes, that places them as a six seed in the Western Conference. Number seven, the Portland Trailblazers. 
I don't think they got worse at all. Honestly, I think they might have gotten a little better. Yes, they did lose Mo Harkless. Yes, you did lose Alfarik Aminu. But those guys were absolute zeros come playoff time almost every year. And they they just decided to go all in on the backcourt with Dame and C.J. McCollum. You bring in Hassan Whiteside, who I do think they will flip eventually near the trade deadline for a bigger piece. Rodney Hood, can he take a little bit of a bigger step? And this is another one of those, similar to the Warriors, organizational fortitude. I'm not going to pick against them to miss the playoffs because Terry Stotts, the dude is just a great coach. He has a great system. It seems like every single year, Vegas and the public at large doubts them to get back to the playoffs, doubts them to have a solid season, and then they go and outperform their win total. Was was a great, solid team last year. They 53 wins, third seed in the Western Conference. I just don't see them being much worse than six games below that mark. So give me them at about 46 wins. And uh, just ahead of my eight seed pick, the San Antonio Spurs. Once again, this is a theme of the final three picks in the Western Conference. Organizational fortitude. Yeah, the Spurs are going to miss the playoffs eventually. It will happen. I'm not going to be the one to pick them to miss the playoffs. I'm going to continue to pick them to get into the dance each and every year, solid. That's all you can describe the Spurs as. You get DeJounte Murray back from injury. Derek White took a big step last year. It seems like that's going to be a nice backcourt duo to go along with DeMar DeRozan, solid. Going to be an all-star, I would imagine, once again. LaMarcus Aldridge, solid. He's going to be close to all-NBA level. He played at an all-NBA level last year, honestly, and he was left off the ballot because... How are you going to vote against LeBron James? So Spurs, number eight, those final three teams, Warriors, Blazers, Spurs, are just organizational fortitude teams. They're just solid. They have great coaches. They have great staffs. They have a great culture. And when you have that, especially in the grind that is the Western Conference, you end up making the playoffs. Now, I know I left off the Dallas Mavericks. I left out the Sacramento Kings. I just think those guys are a little, those teams are a little young and don't necessarily have that culture, like I was just talking about, to break into this loaded playoff gauntlet that is going to be thrown down in the Western Conference. Cannot wait to get the season started, and I cannot wait for the Western Conference Finals where I am picking the Nuggets to beat the Clippers once again, a one-two matchup in the Western Conference Finals. I think the home court advantage for Denver, slightly gives them the edge in that matchup. I don't feel confident about picking the Nugs necessarily over the Clippers just because of how deep that Clippers team is going to be, especially when they get Paul George back, and he'll be obviously fully ready to roll uh, about four or five months removed from his debut off of the shoulder surgeries. I do. I just I don't It's something about the Nugs feels right to me this year. Just something about the Nuggets feels like that continuity is going to get the job done. I think we're going to see a historic season from Nikola Jokic. Could be an MVP-type season. And to go along with that, Jamal Murray takes an extra step. They have shown that they have a similar level of depth to the LA Clippers, and they're going to be able to get the job done in the Western Conference. Finals pick. I've been opining about them the last two, three minutes, and I've said something feels right about it. Give me the Nuggets over the 76ers. 
I see all your Clippers over Sixers. I see all your Sixers winning the title picks. I'm going a little contrarian here. I'm picking the Young Nugs. I'm picking continuity. I'm picking Mile High Magic. And we are rolling with it. Nuggets over the Sixers. They are your 2019-2020 NBA champions. I know some. Uh, I know that would make a lot of people out west very happy. Honestly, that would make my heart happy because we haven't had first-time champion since what? It was the Dallas Mavericks in 2011. Was the last time there was? Well, no, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016. But that was the. This would be the first kind of surprise champion, in my opinion, since the. Dallas Mavericks, I would say. Last year, you could say Toronto was a surprise champion, but I think by the end of the playoffs, going into that matchup with the Golden State Warriors, especially with Kevin Durant sidelined, people were were coming around to the notion that, yes, the Raptors could definitely pull this off. But, yeah, that would be a massive surprise, probably the biggest one since the Mavericks knocked off the uh, the first year of the Miami Heatles with LeBron, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade, and there you have it. Those are my picks for the 2019-2020 NBA season. It's tipping off right now. We're closing out this brought this recording at about 7:15. Full 11 games tonight. I know you'll all be watching those, and then uh, hopefully tuning in to riding the three by three in the morning. But we'll get it posted tonight and uh, get it ready for your inbox to divulge into as we break into a fun, action-packed, duo-laden, wide-open. 2019-2020 NBA season. Let's tip it off, everybody.